Welcome to Worker Movement, a podcast dedicated to the working class, a podcast dedicated to raising class consciousness. This podcast is for you, for us, for the worker. So I had the privilege, the honor, the distinction of listening to the March 1st White House press briefing in which the following exchange occurred in real life. On the parliamentarian decision, you said that he respects that decision, but progressives don't understand this. In some respect, they're like, why not fight for this? So why is the White House not more aggressively challenging that and sending the vice president to try and you know, potentially overrule that with the vote? Well, uh, the the decision for a vice the vice president to uh, vote to overrule or to take a step to overrule is not a simple decision. Uh, it would also require 50 votes. Uh, as you know, it's not a one-step decision. And the president and the vice president both respect uh, the history of the Senate. Uh, they are both formally served in the Senate, and that's not an action we intend to take. But I, the president is committed to raising the minimum wage, to working to determine the best vehicle forward to doing that. That's why he put it in the package. He wants it to be raised to $15 an hour, and he will be in touch with uh, leaders uh, from all wings of the party in determining the best path forward for that. Go ahead, Jeff. A follow-up to Jeff's question, which, which strikes me. The, the, the White House doesn't have 50 votes to confirm Neera Tandon as OMB director, and yet uh, we heard from the White House chief of staff say that the White House is going to fight their guts out, fight our guts out was the phrase he used, to get her confirmed. So why push for that? and not push as hard, one could say, for raising the minimum wage. You could make the argument that the American people stand to benefit more from a higher wage than they would from a chosen OMB director. Well, I think that's mixing a few things um, kind of irresponsibly, if I'm just being totally honest. Um, I would say on the minimum wage, the president included a raise of the minimum wage in his package because he felt strongly that it's long overdue, that men and women working hard, trying to make ends meet, shouldn't be living at the poverty level. That's why he put it in his package. There is a process that go, it goes through, a parliamentary process, it, when it's a reconciliation bill, as you know, but for people who haven't been following all the nitty gritty of this, because it's a budgetary bill. Uh, that's why it went through the process. And, uh, you know, again, I would, I would send you to talk to leaders in Congress to see if they have the 50 votes necessary. But regardless, the president, the vice president have made the decision they're not going to move forward uh, with that step. But also, it's not a simple process. It requires two steps. As it relates to Neera Tandon, she is somebody who has decades of experience. Uh, she is qualified. She is uh, prepared to lead the budget uh, team. And uh, we're continuing, of course, to fight for the confirmation of uh, of every nominee uh, that the president puts forward. We'll see if we have 50 votes. That's part of the journey. That's part of democracy in action. Okay, so you just listened, and there's a lot to unpack. Holy fuck. What is a package? <laughs> and Joe cares deeply about his package. Joe, that's why he puts in his package. He puts his package in you for the American people. <laughs> And he cares less about Nira than he cares about his package. Is that what the takeaway yeah. was? Yeah, he, yeah. He, that's why he, put, he cares deeply. That's why he does it. But he's going to keep fighting his guts out for his nominees. So I really can't understand why Nira, who, for the center of American progress, a neoliberal piece of shit tank. Oh, I like that. Piece of shit tank? I like that. Spent her entire time writing, like memos and article after article on why unions destroy the economy, why unions are bad, and spent her entire time just basically making policies to allow corporations to take over manufacturing the way it is. It's it's wild. So she's an absolutely terrible candidate for a hundred reasons, but her ass withdrew today because she didn't mean tweets, right? 
that's the takeaway. She did mean tweets. And if you do mean tweets, you, you can't be an OMB director or something. Because mean tweets are bad, I think. And there's some really funny things of like where, where the shit lives and, and the uh, armchair activists are, are like, oh, there's a rapist on the Supreme Court, but, you know, she can't be a mean tweet. Wah. Oh, it's sexism. Not really. It's not necessarily sexism. It's more about weaponization of your resources. The Republican Party was not going to yield. The Democratic Party yielded. They always fucking yield. Because they care about the goddamn process and not the results. The Republican Party, the conservative party, the care about the results, the end game. They don't give a shit about the process. Can we get it done, yes or no? If the answer is no, they're going to find a way to get it done. And they don't care. We can't take Texas? Why not? There's too many brown people. Okay, hold my beer. I'll be right back. Brown people can't vote. And we're going to do redistricting. And, and, and. The, the Democrats are like, we want to take Texas. What should we do? Well, we should get the most milk toast piece of shit candidates and run them in progressive districts. And we say progressive with tongue in cheek because it, it doesn't really exist. The press secretary spends her first answer yammering about how, oh, we have to respect the parliamentarian and Kamala isn't going to go and override the parliamentarian and blah, 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 blah. In 2001, the Republicans literally fired the parliamentarian. Because they didn't fucking like his ruling, and then they just moved on. You know what the ruling was? Here, here's what the ruling. He over his his ruling was that you couldn't use reconciliation to increase the deficit, and that was what Bush's tax cuts were going to do. Because that is a longstanding tradition in the Senate. And Trent Lott was like, "Hey, Robert Dove, why don't you fuck off?" And he got fired. But at the end of the day, the parliamentarian is just a completely useless procedural like scrum master of the senate like they don't exist in any legal basis other than to be just some upholder of some archaic rule system that the senate puts forth which is mind-boggling because if you have the votes to change the rules you don't need a parliamentarian so the senate parliamentarian exists generally to just oversee the day-to-day operations of the senate when nothing controversial is happening when something occurs that requires the Senate parliamentarian to make a determination, they're making this determination in the context of what are the ramifications going to be? And is the ruling party just telling me what to do? And then I'm going to listen to what the ruling party says, because I can functionally be overridden immediately anyway. In situations where there is contention, the parliamentarian is effectively intended to just defer to whoever has power. But they exist for the non- contentious periods of time where it's just the most boring dumb dry shit and you need somebody just to manage the turning of the crank on whatever bullshit business they're doing yeah yeah like okay what's the bullshit business um i don't know do you have quorum i guess right that's a good rule you should probably have that i guess maybe um do you have the right package of bills that you're probably going to be voting on maybe i don't know did you put in the senate president for the day which is just some rando ass people that have to stand there and have the shittiest day of their life because they have to actually run the senate and nobody's there because like ted cruz looking up like dick pics on his phone all day like like it's it's just like you could probably do the senate's job virtually now in like three months yeah or or it could just literally be like a mechanical automated thing but that's what the parliamentarian was intended to do back forever ago you had no email, you had no cell phones, you had no communication, right? You had no 
TV, you had nobody watching it, you had no stenographers, you had you had nothing that actually maintained order because that person's job was to basically rule or be there when there is turnover. So you had to have somebody there that understood all the rules and laws so that when the new Congress comes in, nobody's fucking shitting on the carpet, right? That's their job. But we don't need that anymore. There's actual civil procedure you have to do within the Senate. And here's the thing. If they want to change the rules, they can. But until they change the rules, they're supposed to follow the rules are set in place. And the parent's job is to make sure they're following the rules that the, that the party that's in power has set forth. That's their job. And if the party wants to change the rules, they can. So how did it come to the, the point where we get legislative deadlock? Not only do we have, you know, filibuster. But now we have another dickhead in the way, which is the parliamentarian. How, how did that come to be? I have no idea. But the parliamentarian didn't exist until 1935. And then the same dude did it for like 30 years until 1964. I, I think it was just purely a function of attempting to take the burden off of the general Senate by having some bureaucratic officials kind of step in and fulfill a duty that somebody was doing anyway. I don't know. Like there's no archaic history as to why this position existed. They make $170,000 a year. Holy fuck. I can sit around and do nothing all day and make that much money. They screen draft bills. They don't do anything. They're just there to do nothing. They are appointed and serve at the pleasure of the Senate Majority Leader. So whoever is the Senate Majority Leader can swap these people in and out. And for whatever reason, the person who has been parliamentarian has served across multiple parties. Politically, that makes absolutely no fucking sense to me. At all. It's like keeping somebody else's appointees. Makes no sense. And one of their main jobs is to determine what is or isn't considerable under reconciliation and the bird rule. I don't understand why there's a parliamentarian of the Senate or the House at all. I don't get it. It makes sense if you think about it just there's a person that oversees the implementation of rules. Now, should they have any ability to make a political determination? Absolutely not. But at the same time, there are like 900 mechanisms to override them. The Senate Majority Leader can fire them. The presiding officer, who's typically the vice president, can overrule them. Upon the presiding officer making a determination, 60 senators can overrule the presiding officer. So there's plenty of ability for this parliamentarian's opinion to just be thrown by the wayside. But we want Joe to consider the package, and he's not committed to overriding or doing anything to put the minimum wage as part of the reconciliation bill. The question was asked about why they didn't overrule the parliamentarian. And they kept saying, oh, because of uh, tradition. The tradition is less than 100 years old. There's one. Two, there's plenty of, of reason to just remove the parliamentarian or um, overrule them. And I can't understand the statement then about having 50 votes. Oh, it's totally fucking misleading. It's, it's misleading and gaslighting. It doesn't make any sense to me because if you're saying that if the if the presiding officer who's a, who's a vice president says, I don't like what you said, I'm going to go the other way, then they need 60 votes to overrule that. So find me 60 votes then. Find me the 60 people who are going to vote against. There's 50. I know that. But find me the other 10. There are none. You, you need 41 votes to force the minimum wage into reconciliation. If Kamala is willing to take a stand. That means that the Republican Party basically beat the Democratic Party by doing nothing. By doing literally nothing. They literally did nothing, and they won. But Joe cares about the package. It comes down to this. The Democratic Party, and we know this, doesn't give a shit about you. 
because there's just literally one party and that's the party of capital and they they spend their entire time basically like school children fighting over who's most popular between the democrat and republican party with the electorate that's what it is but it's still the same capital ran parties because who donates to all these people right how do you get to the senate it's it's not from taking back you know recyclables it's it's not from getting lucky on your your one ten thousandth of a bitcoin that you mined the other day using your gpu on your broke ass laptop right it's because you sold your soul to somebody and they wrote checks and there's no way to get change at that level at the national level so on our show we continuously say you can't do anything at the national level because of this because you have a party who has a literal majority 51 votes 50 plus one one out of 100 yep 50 plus one to, to do whatever they want to, and they won't do it. Like, like they could pass this law, and if, if the Supreme Court said, oh, you did this wrong, this is bullshit, they could literally get a new Supreme Court. We're going to make the supremest court. Yeah, we want 12 people now, or 15. Who gives a shit? We want 108. We want, we want one Supreme Court justice for every representative of the House. One for one. The Supreme Court will only contain the children of members of Congress. We're codifying nepotism, because why not? Because why not? You get the you get the same thing no matter what you do. I mean, if the tiger mom can tell girls how to dress so that they can get molested by the current Supreme Court justice, I mean, anything's possible. But the Dems aren't interested in that. You're mad. You want change. Don't trust the Democratic Party. Stop donating. Get off their mailing lists. Literally, just unsubscribe today. Every mailing list that comes through. You're probably stuck in van if you donated once. They're going to just keep giving you trash emails over and over again. And run locally. Run for parliamentarian. Run for run for local office. You have the power in your city to require a minimum wage. To do business in your city, you can have, you can have stipulations. You can require anything you want to to have a business license. Because business is commerce, and commerce is given to the states to regulate. And the state, in general, allows cities to regulate commerce. On their own. You can do whatever you want to them. You can mandate masks. Why? It's a health code violation. Just like having a shirt on. You can mandate anything you want to. If, if there's a laws that says you have to have brick facade on the outside of your building, there can be laws that say you can have $15 an hour to work in the city. Minimum. Absolutely. You can say that tipping does not count towards wage. That, that's a first step. If you, if you only thing you did was pass a law locally that said that there's no difference between a wait staff and a regular hourly employee and that tips do not count as wages they're extra and above minimum wage at seven dollars an hour you would immediately change the lives of like half the hourly workers in your city but what about the small businesses that would go out of business i know i couldn't buy my son a porsche for his 13th birthday i can't afford my lake house well who gives a shit but small businesses are the engine of America. Because guess what? That local builder you call it a small corporation is one or two. They either have a small shop and everybody gets paid pretty close to the same amount of money. Or he's a big dickhead who makes a ton of money exploiting labor. And the third option is they're creating liability sinks by creating small disposable corporate entities that are small so as to avoid liability. Yep. So the, the, the tax liability comes in the shell games we play with, with real estate. We'll keep talking about that. You have the ability through local governance to change all types of stuff if you can get there. 
And that's what I need you to run. And if you want to run, email podcast at workingwomen.com and we'll run your campaign for you. Tell your friends. For future episodes and to learn more about the worker movement, join us at workermovement.com.